Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VR Download, a weekly show broadcast live from the Upload Virtual Studios. And today we are going to tell you all sorts of wonderful industry news, not games, but other industry news. Uh, I am your host, Kyle. Hello, everyone. Ian Hamilton here. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm David Heaney. I write about VR technology. And today I'm using the non-elite strap for Quest 2, which I hate because mine finally broke. Mm. That um, would be, what, the the second or third strap on staff to break? I can't remember. I think I think the third, yeah. To be fair, Facebook does offer free replacements, to be clear, if it breaks, but it's it's still quite an annoyance. <laughs> Is mine the last one standing then on the team? Because mine has not broken yet, as I abuse it ding, 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 just ding. shake your head really you know shake your head really really fast and see if it goes it can break it right on stream yeah yeah i'm not gonna do that but that's a good <laughs> idea <laughs> well you know what let's move on to the news here we go news piece number one the valve index will be available in australia australia from August, after almost two years, Australian customers will finally be able to purchase the Valve Index from August 18th via EB Games. Now, EB Games, that's does that is that Electronics Boutique, the old store? Did they get bought by GameStop and consolidated? Is that is that what that is? Does that still I have exist? No idea. Electronics Boutique. I have no idea that that that's a thing. There was a store in our in my mall growing up, and it was like Babbage's, and then it switched to Electronics Boutique, and then it turned into a GameStop. I just assumed they were just buying each other. Uh, so great, the Valve Index available in Australia. That's awesome. Yeah, he, uh, we've got our, our Harry is our Australian correspondent, and he's been sort of harping on this for years. Like, where is where is the index here in Australia? It's hard to get some products to Australia. They've got really restrictive. Oh. Uh, rules on getting stuff into that country they've, yeah don't get me started protective. on our last year's secret santa that was a mess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember someone uh moving to australia uh someone i knew um and you know they've got really really strict rules on like what you can import and uh that you have to go through clearances because they've got such a diverse wildlife uh ecosystem there that they don't want you know bugs and outside plants coming in and destroying everything that lives there yeah we've all seen that simpsons episode with the frog and the kangaroos we don't want that to I happen don't remember that one. Oh, okay um well i mean what what is the i mean uh, isn't there still a delay on index like even getting it here in the u.s do they have like a special oh i don't know distribution route to the land down under i mean how well, that's that the thing. This headset is not sold in normal stores, right, Heaney? It's pretty much uh, almost exclusively through Steam, isn't it? Yeah, with this Australia launch, this is the first time we've seen Valve sell through a retailer. I guess it makes more sense in that local market because, you know, as you've alluded to, there are serious logistical challenges in shipping any consumer product in Australia just because of its location. I, I would assume EB Games being a large electronics retailer there is kind of used to that and has that down and Valve doesn't really want to handle that themselves. I get the interesting thing about this to me is we're now two weeks off the two year anniversary of the index. And I guess is this launching in Australia now 
hint that we're not going to see some sort of successor in two weeks. There had been some speculation that we might see an index two or some kind of index light or some new VR hardware product from Valve. But if they're just launching the index in Australia now, almost two years later, are they going to launch a new one everywhere else and give the Australians the old ones? Or what is this trying to tell us? I have something to add here, but we have to get to the second piece of news. Kyle, get to the second piece of news so I can talk about it. Okay, here's the second piece of news. Valve now sells replacement index controllers and wires. Valve is now selling replacement controllers and wires for its index VR system on Steam. Back to you, Ian. All right, so here's my theory here. They use the word tether very, very, very specifically on the Steam page for this wire. and. Heaney, feel free to correct me. Have you heard them call it a tether before this? Yes. So I still think, <laughs> darn, no, but I still think it's pretty significant to sort of embrace that word of, of calling this a physical tether. Uh, we, we've seen over the last couple of years, us, be, you know, it's been called, wired VR has been around for a decade now almost uh, as a consumer experience at least a developer experience and uh, over time it's gone from being a wired thing that we call it we, we don't use the term wire anymore we typically call it a tethered experience because like even on some of the wire wireless headsets you still sometimes have a wire somewhere within the system like on the uh, htc5 wireless adapter you're still running a wire from uh, the battery pack to the transmitter and back and forth between these things. So there's still like a wire uh, in your untethered VR experience. It's just so significant to me to hear this being called a tether because it just, I want an untethered valve index experience. And I, I so think that they could do it. They could offer both over time. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the the use of the word tethered myself because you know wired indicates that the wire is there in order for it to work, but tether means almost like a temporary connection, and That's, to yeah. use the word tethered indicates that there is a an an untethered option, like a free roaming. So who knows? Maybe the reason, maybe we're not getting a new index. Maybe we're getting an index attachment, and that's, that's right. why they need them down in Australia because they need to be able to get it down there before the attachment is available. Just a yeah, theory. I would love that. Yep, that's what Just that's what I'm sort of working towards too, and I really hope to see it because uh, we did confirm with Valve last year that they are working on wireless VR. I mean, they're they're very focused on it and trying to come up with a good solution. Uh, obviously, Oculus chose between their comments. Facebook's Facebook chose. Th- not to pursue this wireless dongle solution and to just co-opt your existing Wi-Fi network. Uh, but there is like a solution there where you could have a great wireless experience uh, with sort of dedicated hardware there. I, I certainly hope so. But, you know, I think you're reading a bit too much into them offering a replacement tether and calling it that in the Steam store. I guess the, the problem with Valve's wireless is that we've been hearing it for years. Here, here's a quote from Gabe Newell from February 2017. Wireless is a solved problem. My expectation is that wireless will be an add-on in 2017, and then it will be an integrated feature in 2018. We've seen this across the VR space, that there's a lot, there was a lot of bullishness about wirelessness, but actually shipping a product 
is, seems a lot harder. The only mm. PC HMD that, that we've seen ship a wireless adapter other than the display link one for the original Rift was HTC with their Vive one. And I think it's interesting that just this week we saw HTC release an update, and we'll be covering this tomorrow, that increases the Vive Pro 2 wireless adapter resolution all the way up to close to full resolution. And I got I got to wonder, you know, even if Valve does release a wireless adapter for this, which again, hopefully, but we haven't seen any indication of it, why would someone still want this headset over a Vive Pro 2 when a Vive Pro 2 has significantly higher resolution and it still has, you know, decent wider field of view lenses? It is perplexing to me what Valve's hardware strategy is here. I kind of expected we would see index fizzle out and then replacement be announced this year. But again, the, the you know, offering replacement tethers and replacement controllers alongside an Australia launch, it's, it's very, very confusing, I would say. Uh, my biggest question is if they do come out with a new headset to be the 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 predecessor no the 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 successor child of the index <laughs> index 2 is not a good name so i have two proposals number 1 we call it table of contents and number 2 <laughs> we call it glossary which one do you think the the, the valve glossary that's the I'm, very upset. I'm very upset with you right now. I've asked Heaney to install an eject button from the studio, and I want uh-huh. one whenever you do a horrible dad joke. I really think yeah. the studio deserves it. Our audience deserves it. And that one, <laughs> the glossary? I'm the so glossary, right the, now. The, the valve glossary. Why not? Makes just as much sense as the index. <laughs> Well, all right. So at the index, I like the index. I remember being at the announcement event for the index and I'm like, I asked Valve, where does the name come from? And they gave me an answer, but it was like, it came out of a meeting where we went through different, it was like just the vaguest possible answer. And I I really think it's like indexing what they wanted to do with the first generation of VR. Like this is, this is what we want the first generation of VR to be like. And uh, we're kind of like, taking away uh, HTC's uh, stronghold, uh, the ability to kind of like build on what they're doing. Uh, they kind of indexed HTC is the way I, I kind of thought about it. So we have a couple more suggestions here. Kunal says Valve bibliography. And uh, Onakazi, <laughs> the Valve footnote. I like that one. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. You know, I also think that Half-Life... Three should be called Life and a Half. No, okay. Hey, let's button? let's uh, move on to some more news. What do you say? Have have we beaten up say, all the Valve? Uh, do we have more stuff I, to talk about this? Yeah, I heard a rumor that the Neom Index was based on the idea of the index of refraction of a lens. So they were the first to introduce dual element lenses to the consumer VR market. So there could be a play there on the refractive index of a lens, but. You know, there's no confirmation either way of these things. That's just the rumor. Huh. So the name index comes from the lenses. I can see that. Come on, Ian. Where's your eject no. button? Yeah, no? I know. I, I want something called a voxel. Like, I always thought a voxel is a cool word. I want I want a VR product called a voxel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Are you waiting for me to come up with a joke about No, I'm, I'm tired voxels. of this. I want to. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm okay. Please don't well, more dad jokes. I'm I'm very I'm getting a headache. Fine. 
so we've got replacement controllers and wires. Uh, we've got a replacement, obviously, uh, the wires. Now, that's something that has come up in the news multiple times. Uh, I read about it quite a bit. People's animals and people's, uh, you know, the cables get pulled and yanked. And I mean, I've already had to replace a cable on two headsets. Have either of you had to do so as well? I've got, I've had a couple get pretty banged up, but they still worked. I was lucky ah. to have them still continue. No, mm. I, I've tried to always stretch mine out when I was using wired, wired headsets to prevent that. So thankfully, I haven't had any eaten by a pet or anything. It, it so feels I, like I that's something that it, it should be available. Like the fact that we're saying this news now as the headset is end of life feels like that's something that should be available like right as the product comes out or am I just being ridiculous it, there? Yeah, no, you're right. It should have been, but it's, it's one of these things where, uh, Gabe Newell himself has mentioned how the, the coronavirus first affected their production. And now we're in this chip shortage, global, global chip shortage that it's just been kind of like an unending, unending supply chain nightmare. For these companies and i it has to have such a massive effect on long-term planning like if if valve had planned a follow-up product and they couldn't get enough supply for that product do they skip straight ahead to a valve standalone uh we've obviously heard about this uh stand, this handheld product is that going to run vr and if so how what configuration it's it's just I think standalone has been proven as the way forward, and uh, I don't know. I would love to see what what Valve does with a virtual desktop type solution, right? I, I, I've always wondered for a long time why. Maybe is is Guy in our comments? Uh, Guy, if you're out there watching this, uh, Guy Godin, the developer of virtual desktop. I, I'm I would be fascinated if virtual desktop got acquired by Valve, and they kind of like turned that same screw that epic is turning on apple where there's just like hey you've got this virtual desktop solution turn it into the steam app on on oculus and give developers a way to get content on on oculus that doesn't cost 30 percent of their revenue or you know obviously steam is still taking its 30 percent but cut you know, their cut, I think it's decreased to a certain extent, hasn't it? I, I don't recall. For for larger game developers, I believe they've cut it. But for below a certain amount of revenue, it's still 30%. But I, I haven't checked recently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would just, I would love to see a, a solution, a built-in kind of like solution to get Steam games on an Oculus headset. And that's almost what virtual desktop is out of the box now, is a way to get Steam stuff. And obviously, Airlink gets you there too. Uh, and it, it's like the only reason valve wouldn't do this is because, you know, it's kind of like a, uh, a solution without necessarily an end game, right? Like anytime Facebook can change the rules and make it harder for that developer to get their products out there. If you look at what steam link did, uh, I, I want to say steam link debuted on, uh, iPhone and had a store button but then immediately got rejected and and taken away and then came back to the store with that store button gone. 
So you could still use Steam Link to play your uh, games from Steam, but you couldn't actually go and buy stuff on Steam using that Steam Link app. And it's one of these platform war things that is going on. It's just, I think the time is right to kind of like push that, push that thread. I mean, how many gamers out there wouldn't get excited about having sort of a built-in Steam, much deeper Steam integration on an Oculus headset? Hmm. Just to come back, yeah. Kyle, on your kind of question of, you know, why why is it taken until now to be able to get a replacement cable on this? We, we can't really bring in the global supply shortage because the index was on the market for six months before it ever emerged, that, that shortage. Mm-hmm. I think what it may be related to is the fact that Valve are planning to have a virtual link cable for index. And when you when I first ordered my index, I ordered it alongside the virtual link cable. And that was meant to be a new USB-C single cable standard that all PC VR headsets were going to use. So you'd no longer have proprietary cables that you couldn't replace. You'd just have this same standard that was based on USB-C. You'd plug it into your modern NVIDIA or AMD graphics card and you'd go away. Now, for various reasons, probably related to Facebook's sort of pull out of the PC VR hardware space, that never emerged. Valve canceled that adapter. If you use an index today, you're still stuck with DisplayPort, USB, and into a physical power socket. So we've seen in the past proprietary cables like this just aren't a good idea. I remember seeing on the Valve Index subreddit, there were people who had their index cable broken, and say six months ago, and if they were out of warranty, Valve's response was, tough luck. You know, your $1,000 kit you've just, you've just paid for you cannot replace. So it's really, really important to see if there's going to be a proprietary cable and a product for it to come out like this. I think Valve's far too late to doing it to have it now. That's something they should have had in place for customers if they're going to sell a product at this price. Yep. But there are understandable like, reasons. It's like selling a car and not having extra tires available for it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, have we um, have we gotten to the end of the book here with uh, Index? stuff okay well hey let's move on then to the next piece of news oculus quest maximum guardian size soon growing to 15 meters the next version of oculus quest system software will enable people to set up vr play spaces stretching up to 15 meters in either direction now uh for those of us who don't realize how big 15 meters is uh that's what 45 feet almost almost 50 feet it's 49 feet so is that and it says in either direction so does it mean left and right and front and back so is it okay i mean so if you're if you're in the center of your space i mean uh you could have a guardian space that's bigger than most homes uh, the the vast majority of homes, uh, depending on which country you're in, it's probably like m- the vast majority of homes. Uh, twenty four hundred square feet is what I, I think I did the math out to. Is how big this guardian is. The way I, I discovered this is, I think some people have already found that that either this feature is there or it's even going to get bigger with version thirty. But the way I found this was, I saw a Space Pirate Arena announce uh on twitter that 10 meter by 10 meter was officially coming to uh oculus this year or it was it was going to be supported in some way and uh 
Space Pirate Arena, for those unfamiliar out there, is kind of like the sequel to Space Pirate Trainer. It's Space Pirate Trainer being the one of the first and most popular wave-based shooters from the first generation of consumer VR. It's been on all the platforms. Timeless classic, yeah. Yeah. Incredible game. And Space Pirate Arena is this sequel uh, that's multiplayer. And you can play it one of two ways, as the developers have explained. You can either have co-location, which is two people in the same room, or you can have uh, people right next to each other in in spaces that are uh, basically right next to each other, each being at least 10 meters across in either direction, and then have them both connected over a Wi-Fi network. So that's how they've got a co-location setup system in place where you kind of have to both face the same direction, sync up your locations, and then you can co-locate and play in the same space. The key here is that uh, when I saw this tweet out there that Space Pirate Arena is, is basically coming, they're, they're very confident that it's actually going to be launch, launching, I went, I went and started investigating and I tried my Guardian out. And I realized I could set my guardian through my entire house. I I started my guardian in the living room, and I went into one bedroom, and then I walked out, went to another bedroom, moved the guardian around my desk in that bedroom, went back out to the living room, and completed it. And I had an entire guardian, basically across two bedrooms, three, and a living room, and a kitchen, uh, uh, even a, a dining room. So I had like a lot of rooms all within this single guardian. And then I went back and added my couch and I added my desk and I was able to go and sit at my couch, sit at my desk and then get back up again into a, a room scale system and, and, and get all this working. I was just blown away. I reached out to Facebook and they, they confirmed this 15 meter thing that's coming is going to be official support. It's just an enormous, enormous space for VR. I mean, very obviously, this feature allows not only people to uh, stay in VR anywhere in their house, uh, or it gives opportunities for large co-location type of experiences. Now, uh, I've done a a larger co-location experience at an Oculus, I'm sorry, a Facebook Oculus event when I did uh, Dead and Buried Arena. And it feels like this has been around long enough that they have had plenty of time to tweak this and find true utilization. For all I know, that Dead and Buried Arena was a test. We were all beta testing this concept and to see how it works. Are people going to, you know, I've watched my children in two, in one room, sharing a guardian playing like, you know, rec room and they're, you know, paintball each other. And all of a sudden you see them, you know, Oh wait, I'm sorry. (laughs) It worked. Uh, Yeah. I, I, this, this is, there's some, I'm going to have to start putting my children into like some pads or something before they go into a co-location Yep. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think? Yeah, so that was the key thing that I, I didn't get across in that whole explanation is is paired with this announcement, this confirmation that it's going to be 15 meters by 15 meters, is Facebook officially saying that they are not planning on a co-location API at this time. So we've been pursuing this for years, trying to get out of Facebook, whether they're going to do a co-location API. We've even found references to a co-location API in some of the software 
development kit stuff that they've put out there to developers. And uh, uh, Facebook's essentially saying they're 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 taking a breather on, and it's not like any any time soon. So, so oh, and look at the documentation is Pirate Arena, the one that's at least live right now. It's probably going to get updated once the the app gets out there more broadly. But it says Oculus does not recommend or support co-location and they officially recommend you have these separate spaces right next to each other for the space pirate arena multiplayer game and uh i we need i I keep i've brought this up several times over the years in our in our studio here that co-location is that feature we really need to have like a, a like a bowling alley type model for a vr arcade where you bring your own headset or rent one out or have headsets from different manufacturers all coming into the same place and going to the same world together and until we have that it's vr is very gonna be gonna be very siloed you're gonna be stuck in this in this platform war and yeah i'm I'm standing behind this guy back at the dead and buried demo filming this because it was such a remarkable thing at the time and the one of the commenters in our video uh, points out the reason why we don't have this as a consumer product is you watch one of these people in the background bump into a box uh, on their way around this field. And it's like you can't have that as a consumer product. You can't have people uh, constantly bumping into things or running into each other at full speed. The thing about Space Pride Arena is you, you're getting chased. With a paintball gun. I mean, you're yeah. running at full speed <laughs> in that thing. And so, like, you want to hide and, like, you need to be safe. Uh, and if the Guardian isn't ready to warn you at full speed of something that you're going to hit in that amount of time, it's just unethical for them to to put out a product. Regardless of legality, it's unethical to kind of, like, uh, let people set themselves up for running into each other that way. Yeah, I think the awareness of, you know, uh, slam or some form of like uh, uh, mapping of rooms has to be way, way, way better because it can't physically stop you from hitting something, but it can definitely let you know that something is there. I mean, if somebody without a headset on runs full blast into a brick wall, that's not the wall's fault. <laughs> that's the person from not seeing it. I, 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 this was so much fun and I enjoyed this experience so much. And I was really excited to see that this was going to be right around the corner along with uh, multicolored quest headsets. Uh, and neither of them happened. And for whatever reason, you know, maybe they did enough testing and they realized, oh, no, too many people got hurt or potentially got hurt. We don't want to put this in the hands of, you know, Joe and Jane consumer and expect them to not get hurt. I mean, anytime you're putting something over your head and hoping for the best, it, it, it's it's a risk you take for that experience. So I, I don't know. Uh, I I would be a little bit more excited to. uh Man, I haven't watched this whole thing in a while. This is uh, we're watching the Dead and Buried Arena for those of you on the audio only podcast. Um, it, it's just a fantastic experience, was, right? Huh? 
I think this was in 2018, and it's, so it's kind of a bummer yeah. to be three years later and not have this as a as a consumer product, right? Uh, and and not to have kind yeah. of like any real um, timeline for when it's it's going to be here. But it's still the developers uh, are forging ahead and doing it anyways. Uh, Space Pirate Arena is going to uh, going to try this type of an experience and yeah, uh, give all those warnings that they should. So I have a quick question for you. Uh, somebody mentioned in the uh, comments here on YouTube, uh, you mapped your room with a giant guardian. Uh, that wasn't some like special beta version of the Oculus. That was just version 29, correct? I believe it was. I believe I was on 29. Yeah. yeah. And I, that, that's what I saw some of our commenters saying. I think I have this already now. Yeah. Uh, so some of our commenters are apparently able to set up really, really large guardians. Yeah, you know, I feel like I should go up to the soccer field down the road and see how big of one I can produce. I'm sorry, football. Yep. Football, not soccer. Did I do that right, Heaney? Is that football? Yeah, okay. football. Okay. <laughs> not, not, not American football, though. That's, yeah. I think we would have seen co-location by now had it not been for the pandemic. Just based on... You know, as Ian mentioned, we saw it in the Oculus SDK referenced quite a few times over the years. Um, it's not one of those things where I think they went, oh, it's a pandemic. Let's let's scrap this feature. I just think if they have a list of features and they're trying to prioritize them, that if you've just got a pandemic, a thing where people are in person is not going to be the highest priority. Because, you know, we saw Facebook's uh, vice president of VR and AR quite recently say that, you know, he notices this expectation where they think that because they're a huge company with a lot of funding, they can release features very, very quickly. But he says, you know, because of practical engineering realities, they do have to heavily prioritize. And there are things that they want to do that they still have on the list, but they just haven't got around to yet. And I do think this is going to be one of those things. I think if we're at the point where we can definitively say, you know, once we get to the point where the pandemic is definitively over in the West, I think at that point, we'll see Facebook start to bring this feature back because it is such an obvious mm -hmm. feature because if, if you have a headset and your friend has a headset it's it's almost like a network effect with hardware uh there's there's a complicated set of things here you know the the tracking algorithms are very much a black box for consumers we, we don't understand how they work we we joked at the beginning of this show that we come in here and the only way we know that this works is by actually trying it out and I noticed, uh, Heaney, you, I think you were talking about this where like, or maybe it was Harry, where like the Guardian itself, the room got lost, but he was still able to have his desk and his couch tracked. So there was some kind of like, there's different systems operating there uh, mm -hmm. on the tracking level. One to track the, you know, one set of computer vision stuff is tracking the desk and the couch and another is used for the room. And there's all these like edge cases situations you can consider and think about where imagine uh, a person, imagine a, uh, you've got a vase uh, or yeah, you've got a vase in the room and the tracking algorithm has looked at that and found that as like one of the points of reference to hold you against one of the key points in the room. And someone comes into the room while you're turned the other way and moves that two feet to the left mm -hmm. one headset sees it and the other headset doesn't do you know how does that system work does does one person's guardian when they look back at that think that they're two feet off of that thing and then like does it all break do, do the people now collide because their two guardians aren't synced up 
You know, there's a lot of those situations that can go really, really haywire uh, if they haven't properly done years and years of development on this. So uh, I understand why it isn't here yet. Uh, it just, it's a bummer that we don't have it. Well, I think, you know, yeah, go ahead. So, Ian. I was just going to say, you know, these systems are pretty resilient against small moves. If if it wasn't, then when any other person was in your play space, your guardian would just go haywire. So it already knows how to ignore small movements and uh, kind of dynamic objects. What it's looking for is on of, you know, if you see in this video here on screen of all of these little feature points, you would have to have a majority of them to shift for it to lose it. And I really noticed that it's mm -hmm. got a lot better. I, I wonder if one of the concerns isn't more knowing where you are in your environment, but the fact that the headset needs to know where the other person is. I wonder if the concern is not as much about bumping into your physical environment, but about bumping into the other person. Because yes, you can send that over a network, but say, for example, your Wi-Fi connection dropped for a few seconds, you would ideally want the headset itself to be tracking the other headset through computer vision rather than relying on a network value for where they are, because you want that ground truth of where exactly is this other huge person in my play space versus you know, where are they just from a game perspective? So that'll be interesting to see if we see tracking of people because we have seen guardian intrusion yeah. detection hinted, you know, um, we've reported on this before and talked about this in this chat. We've seen from Basti564, a YouTuber has dug into the Quest firmware and seen that there is a feature coming where if a human does walk into your room or even a pet or anything larger than a human hand, you'll be alerted. So it could just be that they need these safety features to be ready before they can launch co-location. A couple, couple things here. I'm noticing in our comments, we've got Chris from iIllusions. That's the Space Pirate Arena developer in our comments. We also have Smash Drums VR here. That's the uh, drumming VR game. No. Uh, both of them in our comments. Really? No. Yeah, that's awesome. It's fantastic. Hello to all of you out there. I want to make a point here. Um, there, when you have co-location, you almost need a three-dimensional venn diagram you know you each have a sphere around you and when you get to a certain point where those spheres cross that suddenly sets off an alarm or disables or does something pushes pause because the two people have come together it's like time cop you can't occupy the same space <laughs> there how's that uh i i think i think that there's a lot of precautions that they could put into this that they aren't uh, in, in terms of making it easier to have the co-location. But yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm going to go ahead and move mm -hmm. on. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. Heaney has also found, this was another story we did. Do you want to explain this, Heaney or Shadai? Oh, that was just what I, I was explaining before. This is what Basti564 oh, okay. found that, that, about the Guardian intrusion detection feature that, that's coming up. These are just the screenshots from the actual interface. So as you can see, um, it it works over only your field of view, so the person would have to be in front of you. And here in this screenshot, they mentioned that anything larger than a human hand, so technically your cat, your dog, uh, even a little toy remote control car, if it's bigger than your hand, should show up as long as your headset's facing it when this feature launches, which is probably sometime this year. But to be clear, we, we don't have any concrete information on a release date for this feature. See, the, 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 the thing about this feature that I would love to understand is... It, it's, I would love to corner uh, Andrew Bosworth or John Carmack and ask them about these types of features because um, I think at, at, when you're a company at Facebook scale, you have to game out multiple 
things. It's not just developing the feature, but it's wondering whether you're going to get sued two years down the line for uh, something going wrong with your system. So, like, uh, I, I really wonder whether um, I, I remember this back with Guardian. I remember some comment from someone at Facebook talking about them being, you know, debating how much, um, how liable is Facebook for the warnings that they're giving you about the Guardian you're setting up for yourself? And like, it's not just a technical thing; it's like a legal liability thing of just how responsible are these headset and software makers for what the people do with the headset on their head. Yeah. I would love to see you corner John Carmack and boss. Some of my best videos. I've got this video on our, on our timeline of me uh, asking John Carmack about mobile positional tracking, right? It's one of my favorite videos. One of the favorite things I ever done was uh, getting Carmack at one of the earliest Oculus connects and other people are filming him. So I film him. And I've got my camera out, and I asked him, where is mobile positional tracking? And he says something to the effect of, I wished I had someone working on it for the past year. And he just comes out and bluntly says, like, there are other priorities. These people want to pursue other computer vision-related products. And even today, he replied to me on Twitter saying, he's never had executive control. He's never had direct reports his entire time at Facebook. It's it's just not what he wants to do. He wants to tell, advise people, uh, this is the way forward. But it's it's just like if they had had people working on inside out computer computer vision tracking, could we have had an Oculus Quest earlier? I, I don't know. That's one of the things I wonder about. Man, who knows? Yeah, he is more like a like a like a Jafar, like a vizier, you know, not really in charge, but in the ear of the person in charge. I like that. All right. Uh, let's move on to our next big piece of news. We mentioned him earlier, Guy, with Virtual Desktop. It gets synchronous space warp on Quest, but it runs on the headset. Okay. So synchronous space warp for Virtual Desktop runs on the headset itself. So it doesn't have a PC performance cost. We tried it and found its extrapolation superior to ASW. Uh, who who tried it, Ian? Did Heaney? Heaney? Who t- yeah, I, I tried this. Guy gave me uh, early access the day before. So uh, let's try to think how to explain this feature. Um, so if you're using Oculus Airlink or Oculus Link, or if you're using one of the Rift headsets, they have this feature called ASW, Asynchronous Space Warp. And how it works is, say you're in a VR game, and let's just say for, for the sake of simplicity, your headset is 90 hertz. And the, the game is run, isn't running very well because you're in a scene with lots of enemies. So you start to dip down into the 80s or the 70s, or in general, you start to notice stuttering. What ASW does, and Valve has a similar feature on Steam VR called motion smoothing, is it cuts your app's frame rate in half. So the, the game itself would now be rendering at 45 frames per second. And then every other frame is a synthetic frame generated by looking at the past motion and extrapolating it out. So just following, so say there's a, your hand is here, and but it was moving this direction. For the synthetic frame, it will just draw your hand a little bit to the side. That's the same with any other objects in the scene. Now, virtual desktop is an alternative way to stream your 
PC VR games, Wireless Eater Quest. And it's been there for a lot longer than Airlink. And it's been there before even Facebook's Wireless Link. And Gay has been kind of constantly delivering, even since Link launched and even since Airlink launched, Gay has been delivering features faster and better than Facebook, just to be frank. As you know, I've been testing them both. Uh, Gay had 120 hertz support first. And now here we see his equivalent to ASW called Synchronous Space Warp. So he worked with Qualcomm, who makes the XR2 chip in the Quest 2 headset, to get this to happen. Whereas ASW runs on your PC, so there's a slight little performance hit to your PC, SSW, Virtual Desktop's version, runs on the Quest 2 itself. So the PC is sending along 45 frames per second when it activates, and then this Quest itself is generating those other 45 frames, every other frame, by just extrapolating the motion. And to be clear, whenever your performance, your GPU performance gets back to a healthy level again, both ASW and SSW disable themselves. So they're pretty much a performance insurance technology. Now, I have to say it was really impressive to try this and just see how much better the the synchronous space warp is. It uses the Qualcomm XR2's motion vector estimation feature to work which uh, from the looks of it either is just better than NVIDIA's motion vector estimation or there's something that Facebook is doing on ASW that just isn't as good. So not only does it not have a PC performance impact, but the quality of the extrapolation is better. So I have to say it was remarkable to use this feature. And it's going to be so helpful when you're in a situation where you're in a high performance game. There's simulators where you're simply never going to be meeting frame rate all the time, no matter how hard uh, you try, no matter how much you turn down the settings, no matter how good your PC is, there's always going to be situations in which you can't meet frame rate and you're going to want to go down into this mode. And, well, virtual desktop is now the preferred way to do that. Well, hopefully uh, Oculus will continue the the pattern and uh, Guy introduces features and then Oculus implements them themselves. Is that how that works? <laughs> One of the things I saw in our comments that I wanted to ask Yahini on this is... Does this effectively lower the minimum spec for some high-end experiences? Can 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 I get it get by with uh, Asgard's Wrath on a lower end PC or or Half Life Alex uh, on a lower end PC and still get a ninety percent ninety frame rate? Yeah, you could see it that way. Uh, when Facebook first introduced ASW, their version for the Oculus Rift uh, back in twenty seventeen, that was how they pitched it. If you remember, they were they said we're going to actually take the minimum requirement for the Rift down. And you know, the idea is if you're in a simulator, for example, you can force ASW on just as you can force SSW on in virtual desktop, and effectively the frame rate requirement is halved. Now with ASW. You know, you didn't really want to be in that mode all the time. And it's the same with Valve's motion smoothing. You don't want to be in that mode all the time. But with SSW, it was it's at the point where you really could play a simulator at 45 frames and just let it do the other 45. And again, you know, some people are going to be more sensitive to real versus synthetic frames than others. I recommend you try this yourself to see if this is something that you are okay with. But yeah, absolutely. This lowers the, if you are okay with it, this does lower the, the PC requirement for Sims. Uh, where was Onakazi's comment there? I think he asked if I misspoke when I said NVIDIA. I didn't see the rest of the comment, though. Yeah, but did no, you misspeak um, when you said NVIDIA when meaning Facebook? So, uh, Onakazi, no, I, I didn't misspeak when I said NVIDIA's motion vectors. So, 
how these systems work, Facebook's ASW, Valve's motion smoothing, and virtual desktop's SSW, is it takes the motion vectors from the GPU, so that's going to be NVIDIA or AMD on PC, and it's Qualcomm for the Quest standalone headset. And what those motion vectors are is it's a lower resolution version of the screen, say 800 by 400, so that's just an arbitrary number I'm picking here. And for each of those dots, it estimates what is the direction of that pixel, i.e. the motion vector of that of those pixels. And from being able to take that view, that's a roughly 800 by 400 or something like that sequence of dots and directions, these systems then say, okay, let's extrapolate those pixels out into that direction. Now, that's a simplified version of how these work. These are advanced extrapolation algorithms. But either Qualcomm's motion vectors data is just better than NVIDIA and AMD's, or Guy Godin is just doing extra magic himself. I don't know exactly where that lies, is what I was trying to say, but the result is that it's better. That's awesome. It's very uh, important that people understand the differences here. I mean, obviously, doing it on the PC versus doing it on the headset, different chips, doing different work, giving different results. That's what makes this industry so interesting. All right. Well, enough of virtual desktop. Let's move on to our last piece of news, which I'm very intrigued by. Report claims that 2022 Oculus headset will have new lenses. Supply chain analyst Kuo, hopefully I'm pronouncing it correctly, reportedly claims Facebook and Sony ordered high quantities of new, more expensive VR lenses for 2022. Could Facebook's Next headset, be a Quest 3 or a Quest Pro with these new lenses? Uh, I don't know. I can't see that. Ian, what about you? <laughs> oh, I got to uh, so, giggle this time. That's good. Yeah. Uh, the the VD one was too much. I'm still recovering from that. Our commenters just losing their mind over over the VD. You recovering joke. from I'm just, VD? Yeah, I'm, I'm recovering okay. from VD. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Oh, my God. Um. Heaney has been been tracking the lenses really, really intensely. Uh, he obviously you you have sort of the rundown on when we first saw these lenses, and uh, the the only context I'll add here is that Facebook has obviously dropped these hints that they're very seriously thinking about an Oculus Quest Pro, and I think that's going to be their testing ground for new features. And it's such an obvious place to put in more expensive hardware like more expensive lenses. Uh, but Heaney, why don't you provide the context on those lenses? Yeah, so this this is a report from, as Kyle said, supply chain analyst Ming-Chi Kuo. And he's known for mostly predicting Apple products and moves years in advance. A website called Apple Track, which rates different Apple pundits, gives them a 77, 78% accuracy. So that lets you know where we are. Though usually, in my experience, Kuo's analysis is essentially accurate though sometimes the details aren't exactly right and you know the what android central is the outlet that claims to have read this note from quo and you know there's in their article you kind of have to separate what they claim to have seen and their own kind of interpretation of that but what they have specifically claimed to have seen is a note saying that facebook and sony have ordered high quantities of new more expensive vr lenses for 2022 next year so this is interesting because 
the lenses and displays in many ways dictate not just the visual experience of a headset, but the design that's possible. And Facebook has actually used, as far as we can tell, the same lenses since Oculus Go. So there only has been in consumer Oculus headsets two lenses. There was the original Rift, which had its kind of hybrid Fresnel lenses with it with quite a heavy amount of God Ray glare, as, as some people call it. And then we saw the Oculus Go in May 2018 release. And just before that, in late 2017, we had seen when they were announcing Go, Facebook, you know, come out all kind of gung-ho about here are our new next generation lenses. We, ha- we haven't heard anything about lenses since. If you look at the lenses in the Rift S, the Quest, and the Quest 2, they look identical to Oculus Go's. We saw HTC just recently with the Vive Pro 2 and the Vive Focus 3 ship new lenses for the first time in quite a while. We, we know that the Vive Focus Plus had slightly refined lenses, but on the Pro 2 and the Vive Focus 3, those are entirely new lenses. They've widened out the field of view by about 10 degrees, although it's debatable depending on your head shape and how you measure. So if we're now seeing Facebook bring their next generation lenses next year, the question of what product that's in is obviously one question, but the other question is, what are they going to improve here? The the, the fan favorite and what I want, and I think what everyone in the chat wants to just say it out loud is field of view. We all want wider field of view. But interestingly, Facebook's VP of VR, Andrew Bosworth, said in an Ask Me Anything session on Instagram back in March, he said, I actually think a taller field of view could be more impactful. So I wonder, was that an offhand comment or is he trying to say, you know, in combination with the fact that Facebook seems to have ordered a lot of new, more expensive lenses? Was he trying to give a hint that what we're going to expect? He's also said in one of his conversations with John Carmack recently that there is no such thing as Quest 3, that Quest 2 will be on the market for a long while. But he did discuss the idea of a Quest Pro. So, you know, there's, this is a whole topic into itself. But what I wonder is, and this is kind of my speculation at this point, are we going to see this new lens, which Quo has noted is more expensive, in a Quest Pro first? And then when the price comes down in a Quest 3, that's that's how I'm interpreting this situation in this group of facts. We don't know what these new lenses are. All we know is that they're more expensive and that Facebook has ordered a high quantity from next year in this report. So that's that's the facts. It could be a Quest Pro and then a Quest 3. It could just be a Quest 3. But what's clear is from this report, if it's to be believed, Facebook is going to make its first leap in lenses since early 2018. And it could be something else too, like a, a go-to or even you know some new name that they throw on a, a new headset going going forward. It, it would be a bit strange to use a more expensive lens in a in a go, but it, it could it could. You're right. I, I think the fact that we've seen Bosworth specifically name Quest Pro is 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 a pretty big hint. You know he, what what he said was it's not coming in 2021, which kind of you know if we have new more expensive lenses. A Quest Pro specifically named, but not coming out in 2021. Quest 3 described as very, very sort of distinctly does not exist yet. Am I reading it wrong to say that this is pretty much comes together as a Quest Pro next year with bigger lenses? I I, I think that's, yeah. Yeah, maybe February 2022 brings us a Pro and then 
that 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 should keep us at bay for a while. I mean, you know, the the the, the length of time that each of the the lifespan of each of these headsets. I mean, the Quest Two still has some decent staying power. I mean, other than huge leaps in features such as higher FOV, um, you know, better wireless faster processor, more RAM, all the stuff that ends up incrementally getting better as we go along. But the lenses, the lenses are important. You know, I I am a bespectacled individual. I have terrible eyesight. And thank everybody in in heaven for the ability that uh, plastic lenses have come about because I would have Coca-Cola bottles attached to my head right now if it wasn't for technology making lenses smaller. So to get the lenses to a better, more reasonable size, because you could go back to standard non-Fresnel aspheric lenses and you just have, you know, the headset would be here. I'll turn this way. The the screen would have to be way out here, <laughs> you know, to be able to get something decent. The whole idea of compactness. That's why the lenses have to be smaller to bring the screen closer to you. And then it also gives the benefit of better, uh, you know, IPD adjustment and all of that nonsense. But you know, I'm I'm sitting here looking at my headset. And I'm thinking about the Bosworth quote about taller instead of wider. And I'm, I'm I'm just sitting here staring right now, thinking I'm looking up and I'm looking down at my headset and I'm going, yeah, you know, he might actually be onto something there. Like that actually might make sense. So instead of making the lenses slightly rectangular in that direction, just rotate them 90 degrees. I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you what do you guys think? I mean, does that make sense to have higher and lower? Yeah, when I when I put my fingers here to test sort of the field of view of the current Quest 2, it's this is sort of the vertical field of view when I hold them here. This is the horizontal field of view. And if I if I could have that field of view get a little bit taller, I'd be able to see a person standing uh full body right in front of me a little bit easier, get a little bit closer to another person without feeling like I need to like artificially put myself away from them in order to see them more completely. Uh, lots of things could be improved if you're if you're able to do that. I think there's the the horizontal field of view. People are like that gives you kind of peripheral um, situational awareness for shooters uh, it, more significantly. But mm-hmm. I think for kind of like social connection, uh, vertical might have a big deal there. Well, Mosaic here in the chat is saying taller instead of wider is a nope. It's not congruent with science, and and you know. He may have a point here because, again, wearing glasses, I have had glasses that are like thin and wide, but I have never had a pair of glasses that are tall and narrow. You know, uh, that would that would be awkward. Uh, I I wanted to I wanted to ask you, Kyle, that February month you picked out of the how did you pick out February 2022 for Quest Pro or or whatever this is? What did you have any? just random random month or what are you thinking for february totally random uh if i end up being some sort of nostradamus of vr here then so be it uh no i don't know anything anybody else does i just picked february because it's too far past it's far enough past the holiday season and it's too early for i don't know i just picked february randomly yeah well it's a one in 12 chance (laughs) that's right (laughs) That's right. I like that. 
<laughs> I've seen a lot of pushback, like Mosaic's comment here. You know, when this was first announced, uh, when we saw Boz say this, um, there is a lot of kind of immediate reaction in the community of, you know, no, no, what we want is wider field of view, not taller. I would, and you know, Mosaic is saying it's not congruent with science, which I believe is alluding to the fact that human field of view is much wider than it is taller. And, you know, again, Kyle, you're saying, you know, you, you get glasses that are wide and not tall. So to, to play devil's advocate, I, I do remember Valve noting in 2015 when they were doing talks about the THTC Vive that they'd actually find the taller field of view was more impactful. So if we're having the, the VP of Facebook Reality Labs, Valve back then, this isn't something I'm going to instantly rule out. What I would say is when you have those glasses, it's not like you can't see below you. It's that you just see in blurry below you and above you. I wonder, perhaps there are perceptual techniques Sorry, perhaps there is perceptual research to show that we do feel more in a world when we can see all the way up to the ceiling and the floor. I, I, now that I'm remembering, I think that was Valve's note that if you can see the floor while you're walking along, you'll actually feel significantly more in the world. Because say you're standing up and walking and you're looking forward into a world and you have to look up over a hill while you're still going forward, you can't actually see the floor anymore. All you're kind of seeing is geometry shoot past you. So there's this kind of feeling of separation. I'd be really curious to try a taller field of view versus a wider to know, but I wouldn't instantly dismiss it. I, I have the solution, a plus shaped lens to accommodate for both camps. So <laughs> let me just throw this out there on the social. I'm going to give a better explanation here on what I meant by the social thing. Uh, I tried out an experience recently that's at one of these film festivals called Welcome to Respite, uh, Respite, um, Welcome to Respite. And it's this social experience that's actually done inside of VR chat where you've got a couple of actors uh, performing as like a, a mom and a dad kind of character uh, characters and you are sized like a a child. You, everything is scaled in this world perfectly to make you feel small with these adult-sized characters around you. And at one point in this VR chat-based experience, well, before you even go into the experience, they have this like onboarding thing where they have you take off the personal bubbles in VR chat to protect you from getting someone in your face. Uh, so you take off those personal bubbles, and that allows these actors to really approach you and get into your to your space. But one thing that happens in this experience is the mom character comes over to you as this child and like interacts with you in really intimate ways, really gets up in your face, this person coming down to you. And if I didn't have, if I had a wider field of view, it would have had a very significantly greater impact on me than the top and bottom of her head getting cut off by the, by the field of view. In that, in that interaction with a person right up in my face, uh, I, what I didn't want was more ability to see the room. What I wanted was to see more of this person that's, that's really close to me. And that's what I really want to get across is I think the, the vertical could have such a big impact on closeness in VR. What I'm getting from this, especially from reading all the comments and how um, everybody seems to have a very, very potent opinion on this, I think this is a very healthy debate. And I think that there is a lot more to unpack here. Unpack here. And so as we go forward with this, I have a feeling that this subject will continue to come up 
and be discussed. So, you know, just be nice, everybody. Everybody's entitled to an opinion. Uh, and we'll we'll continue to bring the news as it comes about. Uh, do we have anything else that we want to add to any of this uh, before we start to wrap things up here, Heaney? I, I was just thinking one of the reasons for Taller could also be a performance reason. One of the things people don't really appreciate in VR is that as you increase the field of view, you actually increase the rendering requirement because, you know, it sounds obvious, but people don't think about this a lot. You see more and more of the world at once. Each frame is rendering more and more geometry. Whereas in most games that are based around a standard idea of a room or, you know, a real world experience, rendering more up is really just going to pull in more of the skybox and rendering more down is going to be rendering objects that are, are near field and pretty close. But as you start to widen out and widen out, you get to the point where if we were to actually be able to do all of human vision, including the peripheral, you would have to render half of a game world at once to be able to actually show it. So there could be a performance reason there as well for standalone headsets that we aren't thinking about. And and the eye tracking being the 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 hand in hand with that, right? If you uh if you have eye tracking and foveated rendering in in cooperation with the wider field of view. It's the only way you kind of push this forward. Like that's everyone has been hankering for this uh, increased field of view for years now. But uh, I remember this quote from one of the developers out there saying, "Like, uh, not only do we have foveated rendering, but we have a real reason to use it on on one of their latest uh, devices." And that kind of underscores the the situation here. We're like. Uh, if you put foveated rendering inside these headsets with a wider field of view, that's kind of a match made in heaven where you, you kind of need it to to allow us to do these things standalone and have like mm-hmm. the same great experience standalone with the wider field of view and everything. Um, I saw a comment here I really wanted to call out with uh, Resident Evil 8, or Resident Evil in general, because uh, I, I am playing through the flat screen version of the last Resident Evil. I won't go into the VR version, but that's another <laughs> fantastic example of these virtual characters getting up in your face. And what you want there is the ability to see this whole person really getting into your, uh, getting into your place. So, so you'd probably be pretty upset if somebody started a petition on like Twitter for Ian to live stream Resident Evil in VR. No. Oh man, I got a I comment. That petition. How many people? <laughs> how many people would have to? What, what's the limit here before you'd feel pressured into doing it? All right. So this is a this is a joke I was thinking about bringing up that there are stories about virtual reality I will only share and I will only like. When when we get a large enough audience, like there are things I, that, about this industry and that I've encountered that I want to have a very large audience where I feel comfortable, uh, you know, really sharing the, the 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 real story of things that went on in VR. And you know, I'll, I'll put it out there: we get to a hundred thousand uh, subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, I'll go do Resident Evil. I'll go do Resident okay. Evil in VR. The rest of that stuff sounds like a really great behind the music type of documentary thing. Yeah. All the, I, I want, the stories people haven't told, the stories yeah. you don't know. I like that. I'd watch that. I'd buy that for a dollar. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We have had some fantastic conversation here between those of us in the uh, studios and then also all of you fantastic people making comments and and 
conversing back and forth with each other, lively debate. It really makes this show truly uh, uh, just exciting to do each week, uh, assuming that the uh, Taco Bell Wi-Fi is being friendly and letting me connect. Uh, all right. So I don't know. Ian, do you have any final thoughts other than telling people they can still go watch the showcase if they didn't catch it on Saturday Live? They can go watch it now <laughs> on Upload VR's YouTube page. What uh, else yeah, do we have? Back. Come back on Thursday for the game show where I'm sure you'll get a lot more detail about the latest games and uh, more context on the showcase. We should have uh, more info on that pistol whip uh, bullet hell and the new style system uh, this week. And uh, make sure to check out our uh, my, my interview from last week with Leanne Pedante at Supernatural. Oh, yeah. A very, very cool interview and a very different perspective on VR. We, as I sp- talked about with her we hear about shooters a lot a lot of the people out there playing vr right now are into shooters but if you want a very different perspective on uh a very different group of people using vr right now you know the Mm -hmm. the gamers doing the shooter games are not the people who are exercising in vr and uh the exercise in vr is having a real impact on people's lives so we've got that interview on our YouTube channel, and we've also got our Upload VR Interviews podcast where you can go listen to that. And we'll be doing more interviews. I was able to do that on my own, and we're getting a we're going to start upping the the volume of of how often we do these things. So you did that without any intervention from Heaney. That's uh, great. Heaney, Heaney was on the outside checking comments for me, but yeah, I ran that show on my own, and mm-hmm. uh, that's a big thing. We're going to get Harry doing that pretty soon too here over in Australia, and. That'll yep. allow us to start doing this more often and reach out to tips at uploadvr.com. Uh, if you're interested in coming in here for an interview or have a new application to tell us about, uh, we can't promise we'll have you in here, but we, we would definitely want to hear, uh, new perspectives and new, new angles on how this, this VR space is working. Yeah. Never hurts to ask. How about you, Heaney? Anything to add before we wrap this show up? I just echo what you said and that thanks everyone for commenting. We we do read them all. There's some really high quality of discussion in, in these chat like every week. And please join us again next week to talk more again about VR technology. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, and thanks to all the developers that come in here to, you know, talk and hear us talk about your uh, your apps and your games. Uh, I know, you know we said that uh, Smash Drums, Howdy Howdy, and... Uh, Space Pirate and uh, plenty of others have come in here to hang out with us. So, uh, all right, go check out UploadVR.com for all your latest news, reviews, comments, and interviews. And check out our YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, send us stuff in the mail. I don't know, whatever. All right. Thank you all very much for watching. We'll see you in the future.